Welcome to Ignite Purpose with Christina Foxwell and what a pleasure to have you with us today. It's a Friday in Sydney and I have dialed in all the way from Brisbane, um, in Australia of course, Amar Sidhu and Amar is actually the organizational development partner for uh, a national organization in Australia called NHVR and I'm so thrilled to have you with us Amar because you know you and I've connected and it's been such a meeting of minds. Would you like to say hello to our audience? Hey everybody, oh, Christina, thank you so much for having me too. Um, it's an absolute yeah, honour and a pleasure to actually be a part of your podcast, thank you. Oh, and you know what, it's such a pleasure to have you on the on the show because of course if we want to remind you out there, you're listening to us because we, we're wanting to provide you tools and ideas to really um, be more purposeful in your life and to live your best life as best you can. So today's topic is fascinating because Amar was is going to run this for us next week hopefully in in some of our modules that we're giving away to some of our clients we're partnering but it's about building resilience and COVID-19 has been the time to walk into that hasn't it Amar? It certainly has it certainly has it I know it's definitely tested my personal resilience um, and I'm about to share that story with you a bit later. Well why don't we kick in with the personal story of resilience? Let's do it. Let's um, just do it. Tell, t- let's, let's, let's have a chat it. man. <laughs> Absolutely um so I would probably say about four or five weeks ago, um, our organisation made the decision to transition staff working from home, which is obviously a fantastic idea considering what we know about the COVID-19 situation currently. At that time though, that decision had a significant impact on my life and to put it this way, like my wife I and our two young children we live in a small house and really I'm only in this house to eat sleep and bathe. That's, that's literally every other occasion I'm either out oh, at work or in the park the kids are doing something exploring the amazing city we live in so to be told you know working at home is one concept of staying in the house but then from the government making the decision that you're only allowed to leave your house to undertake any essential services like seeing your doctor or doing grocery shopping that was really really hard hitting for me yes. so you know um you know the concept of, of the say five stages of grief like denial, frustration depression all that stuff that is something that i actually went through all in one hit within the first week of working from home Okay, so I, stop quickly. Run through those again. Yeah. What what would, can you can you? So, so the stages that I certainly went through um, was denial. So the denial concept was me couldn't believing that it was effectively illegal for me to actually take my kids to the playground. Mm. I could potentially get fined for doing that. I wasn't allowed to do that when I, every single day I've been doing that for the last six years. And so to all of a sudden change my lifestyle within a very short period of time was extremely hard. I, I honestly couldn't believe it. I was definitely in denial. And, and that frustration component came next for me. And that was more in relation to, well, I'm stuck at home now. Like, I can't do anything that I was able to do. I don't have that freedom now. But, you know, and, uh, you know I, I feel that we all as individuals go through some level of depression in our life um and i know i certainly went through that um and i wasn't aware of it initially because that was more look what am i going to do here like i have nothing to really entertain me in this place other than my children 
obviously, and you know, I have no other external influences that I can draw upon. Even inviting people over to my house, which I normally often do, or going to other people's houses, we couldn't do that anymore. And so that was really, really hard hitting. So this concept of resilience for me personally was, I had a choice there and then whether to continue having that mindset of poor me, yeah, or. What can I do to change that mindset to be able to adapt as quickly as I possibly can to this changing environment that has slapped me across the face, basically? Okay. And so what I go for it. So what I did was, and that, that was the next stage. But effectively, it was me experimenting. So what that involved for me was I want to understand properly why these sorts of decisions have been made. Why has the government said I can't leave my house? Why can't I go over to my next door neighbours who are in the early 80s to shake their hands like I normally would do? And what I realised was, you know, I could potentially be putting a lot of people in danger. And the only way I realised that was through understanding what this COVID-19 was all about. And so I made the conscious decision to be proactive and build my understanding of the current situation as it stands and what we know about this virus. And that enabled me to accept why I'm here at home, why am I stuck at home, mm. you know, and that helped me really you know, integrate to this new way of living, this new temporary way of living, you know. And, and so, isn't it fascinating, yeah. you actually needed to make a choice, As what I'm hearing as you were telling that story is recognizing what you were going through, getting curious about it, choosing to make a choice, and then choosing to go you know to, to stand in acceptance like that's a big thing it was a big thing and can i can i say like i i one of the catalysts for me to actually choose to take that path was the feedback that i was getting from the people around me and when i say the people around me i mean my wife and my children good you know my six-year-old girl is saying dad why are you so sad all the time oh. she's not used to me seeing that you know see, and that was that was hard hitting for me to even hear that from you my girl you know my wife was the same you know like you know you're choosing to behave this way you need to change you know because you're impacting the family so that was again my number one catalyst to actually look and self-reflect and then explore so i've got a question for you because i think for all our listeners out there we're talking about the five stages of of grief actually so i've actually pulled it up i'll put it on the podcast link for you guys to see um and i think you know the the challenge is if we don't start getting um, and listening because you were listening to the people around you but if we don't start listening and being in the moment we can yeah. never make peace with the moment Agree. yeah because we push things away Amar we get busy like yeah. everyone gets busy and they do stuff but then the emotional wave hits and then you yeah. recognize you're actually not w- walking through this piece are you and you know, like it. In order for me and the self-reflecting again, in order to actually do that, you have to show a level of vulnerability. You know, That's my um, topic, you know. Exactly. You know, to actually, and like you said, actively listen to the feedback around you, taking that feedback on board, and implementing something that relates to that feedback that you're getting. Like your actions, your words your behaviors impact those around you and if those around you are actually important to you you're going to want to listen to what they have to say because it's only going to be in your best interest so you've said two things 
So I'm going to play this back to you. If those around you are important to you. Yes. I think yeah. it's that recognition that I can't live in isolation. I live, I live with others around me. You know, and I think grief can often take us into isolation. Yeah. What do you think of that? 100%. You are stuck in your own mindset. All that self-talk in your head, that, that's what you listen to primarily. I love that. To snap it, is that, oh yeah, you know, and who's going to snap you out of it? Either if you have a really good ability to control your mind, yes, you can snap yourself out of it very quickly, but a lot of us don't. I certainly didn't at that stage. So what snapped me out of it was the people I love and care about providing that constructive criticism really to me. And I had a choice whether, yeah, you know what, I agree with you, I want to listen to you, or no, actually, I'd rather listen to my own self-talk. Oh, that, and so. that's powerful, to step out of your self-talk. Yeah. How easy is that, though? <laughs> I know, for me, like, you know, running these socials myself a lot, you think that someone like me would have this down path, but no, I'm constantly challenged in that space, and I'm glad to be challenged in that space, because it's just an opportunity for further growth and development. You know, I, I feel through these experiences that obviously I have no control over the environment around me. I'm growing emotionally. I'm, I'm becoming more emotionally mature, if you want to put it, if that's even a word, you know. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's a, we've been talking all the time, you know, um, and this is just one example of how, I mean, I personally was able to develop myself emotionally. So I think, you know, yeah, keep going, sorry. You know, I, I'd actually love to hear from any of the students who gone through the same yes. sort of challenges in their lives in this space and what learnings they got from this experience you know i think and we would like to encourage you as listeners when we post this on linkedin and push it out into the social media space get get in touch with us because Amar and i would love to understand where you're at how you're going you know what your reflections are because i think that's important to be heard and seen I, I, I'm a, I've, I've been thinking of um, building resilience as a, a, the, one of the key factors to building resilience is being connected with others. What do you yes. think about that? Every person that comes to mind in my life who I believe has the qualities of a true resilient person always has an amazing social network, mm. an amazing social connection. And these people that come to my mind, often when they're presenting with a challenge, they know who to go to to get advice and guidance if they are, say, the subject matter expert themselves to try and implement something constructive. So having that ability to be connected with others is a fundamental for someone to build their resilience. You need to draw upon other skills and experience to help you in your situation. Because I think that the thing we do when we feel less resilient is we isolate ourselves. Or, I want to use this example, for me connection is the ability to be seen, heard and valued. But it's not mutually exclusive meaning just me, it's us. We have to be in it together, right? So, so if I think of um, 
this whole area of building resilience, I'm thinking of a book that I found recently called Togetherness, and it was written by Vivek Murthy, uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy, and he was talking about how when we aren't, you know, that building resilience piece is connected to being within a community of people, to your very point where I can go and speak to someone when I have a challenge, right? But he was unpacking that there's three levels of loneliness or dimensions that we can get stuck in. One is isolation, and I think we've just spoken about it, haven't we? Where we isolate ourselves, but when, when we're isolated, we're alone. And when we're alone, we're scared. And when we're scared, what do we do? We, that, that, that feeling just immerses us, like we, we're stuck, we're stagnant. Totally. Can we breathe? No. Um, when your child is scared, do they cry? Do they fight? Do they Absolutely. lash out? Absolutely. Like I think their ability to um, uh, their ability to actually come up with something constructive or be solutions focused is very inhibited because it's all emotional. It's all emotional driving the way I think, driving the way I behave. Okay, so let's flick that out into connectedness and belongingness. If I had to say to you, being resilient, we'd probably have to be feel like we belong, but not to others necessarily, but peacefully in who we are, in order to be resi- in order to be more resilient. What do you think of that concept? To be peaceful in who we are. And, you know, I I fully agree. You know, to be peaceful in who we are requires you to be, in my opinion, self confidence, mm. understanding that you know. I have amazing strengths, but also I have certain weaknesses that if those weaknesses are exposed, I'm okay, but I can draw upon someone to help me build on, upon those weaknesses. So that ability to be self-confident, I think, plays a large part in that. So I fully agree with what you're saying. Do you think we suffer from the from the need to be perfect and that's why we find resilience hard? I do. I do, and if you ask me where that stems from, I think it stems from schools and grades. You know, you need to be an A student to succeed. Yeah. You know, you need to have an amazing status in your job and the coin that comes with it that determines how successful you are in this world. You know, I think a lot of that concept gets ingrained in us as young children. Totally, and that, um, that makes us feel like we are someone versus yeah. reminding we are someone without those things. Absolutely. You know, because you know, I was so surprised. My, my eldest, my girl, she's in prep this year. Yeah. They practice mild mindfulness in class now. How awesome is that? And then that concept was completely foreign to me in school. Like, it was still foreign to me in university. Yeah. You know, and they're practicing that at such a young age, which is absolutely amazing. Mindfulness, yeah. And it's creating peace in the mind. Yes. Um, I'm thinking of um, some neuroscience where we talk about the neural pathways lighting up and the neural pathways lighting up helps us understand. But that doesn't happen when the fear, fight, flight or freeze, um, you know, hormones are pumping into our brain because those hormones stop us from being able to see. It just puts us into protect, 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 do, run, fly, freeze, whatever it is. It doesn't allow us to see beyond what we're feeling. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, like, you know what you just said, Christina, like, the person that comes to my mind who I believe is extremely resilient, I always wonder, you know, how do you cut out all that? 
emotion? How do you cut out, say, all that fluff in inverted commas and focus on the heart of the issue that we're dealing with? Yeah, can you actually be taught how to do that? Th- or is it through life experience, you know? I think you have to teach yourself. I think it's becoming a new skill set. It's called, yeah. I think it's called the agility of our, of our thinking, our brain and how we think. Um, yeah. I think your experience doesn't necessarily mean that you're agile. Or resilient your experience could mean that you become fixed in your thinking and sometimes we because some of the experience we're ashamed about I'll use an example sometimes when we work with leaders and you'll see this because you also do the work like we do on the outside you do on the inside of organizations someone might be so fearful around how they are perceived by the leader the board the whatever the external stakeholders the internal stakeholders that they become incredibly rigid around how they show up okay they show up this way because when they show up this way they're accepted the problem is they don't show their humanity they aren't able to flex when a problem hits them they almost fall over like a statue because they're so rigid to find and then when that fall over happens they're so humiliated and when that humiliation kicks in, their armor just gets bigger and they become more rigid because they are self-protecting. And I'm, I've been doing some research and of course today we spoke about some of the researchers that we've been looking into and they talk about walking through the, and feeling, being okay to feel what we're feeling and know it's okay, but then being able to um, be peaceful in our mind. And I, I like saying it this way, retelling the story that it's okay, that that's not where my worthiness lies. Yeah. You know, Christina, what you just talked about, um, I can give you a really great tangible example of that. Um, In my previous workplace, um, I had a colleague who, you know, I regard as as amazing when it comes to, you know, practicing mindfulness and, you know, particularly his ability to self-reflect. And he asked me this question that I couldn't answer. At that time, he said to me, what is a human being's natural instinct when they see another human being crying? And I said, going over to try and stop them from crying, trying to comfort them so they stop crying. And he responded back to me and said, why are we always quick to try and come up with a solution rather than being fully immersed in the problem and the emotions that come with that problem because that in itself is a solution i said what do you mean by that he goes well when someone cries crying is actually your body's natural ability to, to become calm to some degree and work with the problem and flow with the problem yes. so for you trying to go there and stop that person from crying you're inhibiting your body's natural defense mechanism and I never thought of it that way because, again, I was growing up to be taught that if someone is upset, you go and try and fix their problem. Totally, because our parents told us, and yeah. this was taught to us, don't cry. Don't, don't show cry, exactly. don't Stop cry. crying. Why are you crying? Get up. Do you know, South Africa, we use a great term. Pull yourself towards yourself. Um, oh, wow. I've never heard that before. Okay. okay. Pull yourself right. towards yourself. I, I like that term, but that term doesn't allow me to experience the emotion. That okay. term could tell me that the emotion I'm experiencing is bad or shameful. Yes. 
and I, I read this on Facebook yesterday actually because of course I look everywhere I'm always looking at stuff um, and it was uh, it, it wasn't Facebook actually it was LinkedIn and it was a little thing that said please don't wipe the tears off my face please don't wipe the tears off my face you know and I thought wow when we wipe the tears off our face imagine someone crying and they wipe the tears off and they go oh I'm gonna be fine what immediately have they done Omar? They've, they've, oh, I mean, my immediate thought was denial. They, they, they don't want to deal with the situation. It's just, let's just move on. But how can you actually move on without actually dealing with the situation as you as it currently stands? Yeah. Nail on the head. Nail on the head. Like deflecting, you know, deflecting. I'm deflecting. And so what if I, so use, let's use this metaphor, my emotions are Tupperware. Now, does your wife have a Tupperware cupboard? Well, my mother-in-law is a Tupperware okay. salesman. If oh. anyone is going to rob our house, take the Tupperware. Okay. So, sure. but now listen <laughs> to this. You've got all these lunch tins and things. Every time yeah. we wash them, what do you do? You put them in a cupboard. But the lids and yes. everything. And so you end up just shoving shit into that cupboard. Sorry, but that is yes. actually how I do it. I'm, I'm always rushing. And then yeah. one day you open that cupboard and what comes tumbling out? <laughs> lots and lots of lids and bowls lots and, and Tupperware and it goes all over the kitchen floor and you yes. go I don't have time for this yes but that's yes. the same that we do with our emotions we put it away we put it away we put it away we pretend it's not there we tell ourselves it's shameful we hide yes. it we hide it we hide it and then when we open the Tupperware cupboard what happens all the emotions come out okay and when they come out they're not coming out in a way in which we can actually walk through them there's so much of it and then we start behaving like a small child that's throwing a tantrum because we can't work through them there's too many so we make it everybody else's fault I I have this thing Renee Brown talks about the definition of blame do you know have I told you what the definition of blame is Listen to this. It's a discharge of pain and or discomfort. Blame is not accountability. So blame is like venting, like someone venting, yeah, you know, I like give it to getting you. it all out of their system. Yeah. Totally. Instead of going, you know what, I feel so awful right now, yeah. will you hold me? Or instead of going, I just need to walk down the road and have a good cry. Yes. Um, and for example, I told you this morning, my dad is in ICU and we don't know if he's going to make it. And last night, um, my mum phoned to say she went to see my dad. She couldn't take seeing him, so she walked out and she said to me, she phoned me, she goes, I've just got to be strong. And I said to her, no, mommy, you've just got to be there. Don't be strong. Don't pretend you've got to be strong. Cry. Yeah. Yeah. Remind yourself how much you love him. Feel that. Don't, don't avoid the feeling. Don't pretend, I, I don't need you to be strong, I just need you to be what you're feeling. You know what's really interesting about what you just said, Christina, is, you know, I'm sure your mum's mindset was, I need to be strong for my husband. So you're putting other people's needs oh, boom. in front of yours, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, just, and that just takes me to the whole um, spiel that you hear on every airline flight and that is put your own oxygen mask just before you put anyone else's oxygen mask you know, yeah, help I... yourself before you can and it's easier said than done obviously because you want to help it's our natural instinct to help others but how can you effectively do that if you can't help yourself but that's the point so when we look at organisations you and I 
and we work with people and organizations to create agility. It starts with one person at a time and it starts inside each individual. Because if they can put their, their mask on first, we can help the organization rise. And I think, you know, buckle up, let's get on the aeroplane. Buckle up, let's let's help you fly, but it's your choice to put the oxygen mask on. You know, Amman, I could be the best flight attendants known to humankind. <laughs> and we can do the best demonstration. And we're there to make you feel safe. And we're there on the journey, but you're the only one who can put that mask on. You're the only one who can care enough about your inner person to be willing to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think it's becoming an epidemic where people have not looked at their personal growth for such a long time. And because the speed of the world and the change that we're dealing with and all the stuff that's happening is so in our face, it's becoming a, a critical crossroad that if you don't start working on who you are, building your resilience, get coaching, get a good therapist, Get someone to talk to. Get involved in your own personal development. Start reading personal development books. Start listening to podcasts. Start engaging. You are going to get to a point where you won't be able to deal with the day-to-day flow. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, Christina, um, one of my close colleagues at work, um, he's been a manager for quite some time now. And he... um, I called a lift with him home and he, I asked him, you know, what are you up to after work today? You want to play some ping pong? And he said, oh, no, I've got an appointment with the counsellor. And I, I was so shocked. I was like, this is a guy who I've never seen display any sort of emotion that would say to me that he needs help. And I said, is everything okay? Like, I immediately got on the defence of thinking, is everything okay? Like, what's going on in your life? He goes, no, everything's fine. I just see a counsellor because you know sometimes I'm faced with challenges that I think you know I'm, I'm actually effectively dealing with it but I just want to get someone else's opinion on it absolutely and, and also oh, it blew my mind because here is a guy who comes across as extremely confident but he's again able to show a level of vulnerability by saying you know this is how I dealt with the situation how would you have dealt with that situation can you impart some impart some wisdom to me and you, you know, know and, that's important yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in our practice, um, there's two, there's three of us. There's myself, Carolise, and Robbie. Um, and Carolise and I are full time. Robbie's um, a, 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 an associate to our team. But we will bounce through our experiences as we've coached and debriefed people on behavioural stuff all the time. And we catch ourselves as soon as we're going into blame. We know we were uncomfortable and what was our learning as their coach through that time. Um, And I think this is the way the world is. You said something earlier, Omar. You said you listened to your wife and your family. Yeah. But you were willing to listen because them speaking to you about what they were seeing in you didn't didn't come through in your own thinking that you were bad, did it? Yeah, I didn't. Why? One, it was some two things. One, tangibly, is the way they phrased their feedback to, towards me. But the main reason why is because I knew that what they said to me was 
coming from the best of intentions. And you trusted you that. Know. And you no, trusted, I fully that. trusted that. There we I go. fully, fully trusted that. Otherwise, you know, why else would they waste their time and energy in providing me with that feedback? You know, like it came from the best of best of intentions, and I fully, fundamentally believe that. And again, it came down to the statement you made earlier about people who are resilient and have ability to adapt to changing environments pretty quickly and effectively these are the people who have that strong social network that they can draw upon that they're open to receiving that level of feedback and i think there's a centeredness in who they are so amar the first time i met you you were so joyful and so caring and so comfortable in your own skin and I think that is one of your key elements of resilience. Thank you. You are, Thank you. you are an amazing light. And it comes from you feeling peaceful about who you are. Thank you. Am I right? Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I, you, and, and, I, and again, I'll never forget the first time I met you either because I guess... In my, and I know I'm going to make you blush, even though I can't actually see you right now. But you know, the way you came across, your credentials were phenomenal. But you never, I guess, you never showed that level of ego with me at all. I've come across a lot of people who had done that, and that made me feel really nervous. So you made me feel comfortable to be in your presence, despite the fact that the reason why you and I met for the first time was because you had a particular set of skills that was well known in this organization that we called you upon to impart that level of wisdom to our people leaders and so you had something that i didn't have and for you to be able to actually talk to me as a level-headed colleague as you know, a colleague at your level was absolutely amazing and that that was the only reason why i think i was able to be open with you was because you made me feel comfortable um and you know you look at that concept right there, Christina. You know, these people who are resilient and who have the strong social connection. You know, I feel the only reason why people who are extremely resilient have a strong social connection is because they literally put their hand out to say, hey, you know what? You have something that I feel I can benefit from. Tell me about it. Oh, Talk yes. to me about it. And I love that you've said that. You know, I went through a stage in my career where my pain was so great, I was not resilient. I call it the leadership trap. I've got a picture of someone trying to get out of a cement block. Um, and I'm so grateful you've said this about me, but I suppose it's been learning through almost because my pain was so great and my rigidity was so great. I got physically sick, Amar. My adrenal glands stopped working. Which means my body wasn't producing enough adrenaline for me to actually function effectively. And I needed to work through that piece. And it's taken years because of the crushing armor I wore for years to be at an executive level, powering through things, but not feeling. So you were stocking up your Tupperware cupboard? Oh my God, that Tupperware cupboard was stocked up. Uh, I still reorganize it every day, I've got to be yeah. honest with you, but now I'm organizing it, I'm in there. Hey, you know, Christina, speaking about that, right, that experience you had when you were in exec, um, you, you would have been time poor, you know, you would have had to fly on the pants of your seat and just roll with the punches yeah. and deal with whatever the day's challenges were, like, how, 
how do you actually take that time out to be able to self-reflect where the environment around you is so fast-paced? You start prioritizing yourself as important. Yeah. I can't, I can't say that enough. And even me running this practice, I don't know how many flights. I mean, two years ago, half of the year I was away from home. And that excessive traveling, I mean, you know, one week I think I traveled eight flights in, in eight days or something totally crazy. Um, and I think the key thing is to remember that we are important, that the more we spend time on being peaceful, the better, that to not numb through drinking lots of alcohol or um eating a lot of stuff i mean i i I love a good um april spritz i've got to be honest to you with you but i haven't touched a glass of alcohol since the first of january because i recognized i was not as healthy as i needed to be who made that choice to put the oxygen mask on amar i did and i've kept it on thank the lord (laughs) my lucky stars but i think to your very point as as when when my life is crazy i need to manage my priorities and i need to be one of them i spoke to an executive yesterday amar you'll like this i said to him he showed me a picture of when he was in a hospital bed because he had heart surgery last year and he said to me i worked this was my priority set work family myself he said and i had a heart attack because work was everything i said and how have you done it now he said health family work health family work wow yeah Mm. you know what i'd be interested to know christina when he was in hospital did anyone from work come and visit or was it a family by his bedside you know like and that again makes you think what's more important in life our family is important our family is important i think i'll I'll get you to think about this when your fight flight or freeze takes over because you're so concerned about not being able to care for your family or not being relevant or not being heard because if you can't be heard you can't earn money if you can't earn money you can't i mean i can tell you the whole bloody story of the crazy wheel um because i've been on there for a long long time i sat in a a therapist's office with my son last year amar and she said to me of course i had big suitcases as i was coming in there (laughs) she said where are you you going i said well after this i'm rushing to the airport to hop on a flight yeah and it was family counseling because my son was very depressed and ill and she said to me okay uh and then she said to me in the therapy session in front of josh and john do you think you could work less do you know how angry i got Amar? and i'll share with you what came out of my mouth and this is when i knew i needed to do deep work in that tupperware cupboard um because <laughs> my tupperware yes. just tumbled out onto her floor i wow. said to her um i am the only one who can make sure that that we survive you know um and joshua's my son and i and it all came tumbling out that i was struggling with the feeling of trying to carry it all and not trusting that my husband was standing next to me and that my son could do his part and i was overwhelmed by survival instincts 
I'm not the only executive that's been that way. I'm not the only business owner and I'm not the only leader. And I'm not the only mum. And I think we've got to start realizing what's actually happening versus what we tell ourselves is happening, which is this whole mindset piece around being resilient. What do you think of that story? Yeah, like, it's... Again, it goes to show the sort of person you are, and that is, I, the only reason why I put work in front of everything else is because if I don't work, this family is not going to be in the position that this family is in right now. Exactly. You know, so you, you're doing it from... A love place. From, yeah, from, from, yeah, exactly, from a love place. But to be told by someone external and when I mean someone external your family as well as your your therapist that you know what you need to reprioritize that yes that would have been a slap in your face absolutely that would have been a slap in your face because for a long period of time that was that was your worth that was your value in contributing to your family it was through work and I was a single mother for years so having that feeling that someone can stand next to me and trusting that they will do their best was actually trusting in myself that it was okay to let it go and Amar it's been the greatest release by the way I I can only but imagine and you know what Chris like like we said earlier the only reason why you've had that ability to have that release in my opinion is because you actively listen to the people around you that meant the world to you yes and you chose to take the action that you've taken today and you know and that's a big kudos on your part because that involves you completely changing your life like, I guess the way you look at life and your value in life I mean, that's a big thing to do to undertake when you've been operating this way for such a long period of time to then suddenly change to shift your rhythm and still know that you're successful you're worthy of love and belonging and success yeah. is not the outcome to your work success is arriving your very best you can every day that's yeah. success success for yeah. me is in the moment yeah. outcomes are far away you yeah. know um i i suppose would you like to leave a summary for anyone out there amar if they wanting to build their resilience um and be be more and and be better and feel like they can cope better what would a few things be that you leave with them to consider this is the one thing in my opinion is that you must understand and believe that the situations that you're faced in and the environments that you're faced in are largely outside of your control but what is within your control is what you think about what's going on around you and generally what you think about what's going on around you tends to result in how you behave so your mindset and we use that word mindset so many times in, in in our session today your mindset will make or break you so it is any in everyone's best interest to explore your mindset to actually take the time up to be able to self-reflect not only by yourself but also get with the someone. views and opinions of yeah with somebody yeah and you can only do that if you're willing to actively listen and you're willing to actively grow and develop yourself but your mindset will make or break the way in which you you survive i guess in any situation that you're in 
So I love what you've just said because that is exactly it. We've got to listen to those. And, and Brene Brown talks about it like this. There's those people's opinions that really, really count. And they're the people that love you unconditionally, Amal. Yeah. And that is yeah. my fabulous daughter that works with me. So when she speaks to me, she speaks to my heart. My son, as painful as his messages can be one day, he said to me, remember, your team are not your friends. This is not, yeah. you don't pay people to be your friends, mom. You pay people to do a great job and you lead them with love. He's only yeah. like, oh, he drives me mad. And then, but it's truth, right? I'm going, oh my God, you're wise. Um, and Carol, he's sharing the deep wisdom around her reflections of everyday work. And John said to me yesterday, we had um, a coaching client that we had, it was really not an easy situation that we had to work through, um, which can happen sometimes because in coaching, you're digging in that cupboard, aren't you? Or you're standing yeah. next to them as they dig. So if a blooming python falls out, everyone jumps. Um, yeah. And John said to me, put the bag down, Tina. Because sometimes yeah. we carry the fear as a bag around with us, which stops us from being agile. So it's listening to us. Oh man, thank you. You've got to come back. We've got to do these interviews more, more, more frequently. I think we've got to keep talking about resiliency in organisations, and we've got to keep inspiring people. What do you think? I fully agree with you. I can't wait to come back. You will be back. Is there any thoughts you want to leave for anyone before we say goodbye? Yeah, I guess. I guess this is more of a request rather than a thought. Is I would love to hear from everyone who's listening in. You know um, what their views are on what Chris and I have talked about, mm. and I love for others to share their stories too. Um, Please. And yeah, that would be, be really, really awesome. That would be awesome. And this is Amar and Christina signing out from Ignite Purpose with Christina Foxwell. And I'm going to put Amar's details in our LinkedIn contacts. And we would love you to stay in touch with us. Um, we would like you to walk with us. And we would love to hear your stories. And then maybe you can come and chat with Amar and myself on some organizational resilience. We would love that, wouldn't we? Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you, Christina, so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. So please press follow. Please press, press like. And please be in touch. Uh, this is Christina Foxwell signing out. Chat soon. Bye.